Curtin Cade Mornings, not just on the radio. It's a podcast, too. Calvary Chapel in Pinellas Park. In the spotlights, a wonderful ministry to foster kids and their families. Based out of here, their offices are on the campus of Calvary Chapel, uh, Pinellas Park. Uh, it's a door of hope. We have more stories to share with you. Oh, look who just sat down, a foster mom. Lainey Gibney is sitting right across from us. Hi, Lainey. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing good. Great. How did you get plugged in with a uh, door of hope? Well, I actually originally heard of a door of hope through our church, and um, they came and uh, did an informational session at Where our church. Where do you go? I go to Calvary Church in Clearwater. Cool. Yeah. And so they came and they did an informational session. And we're just talking about if you've thought about foster care, if it is something you're interested in learning more about, um, come and hear what we have to say. So my husband and I went and the rest is history. Wow. So you are kind of a uh, point person for a door of hope in your church. Um how did God turn your heart toward foster care and foster kids in particular? Was there a moment or was it a bit of a journey? It was certainly a bit of a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, if you asked me to pinpoint an exact moment, I'm not sure I could. Yeah, I think it was a process throughout um, high school and college as I was trying to figure out, you know, that stage in life where what do I want to do with my life? Sure. What, what do I want to do in the future? Um, and the Lord led me to social work through uh a very difficult challenge in my life. I became a social worker, and it was in those classes that I started learning um, about uh, families and children who experienced violence and abuse and neglect, um, and it was just so different from the world that I was from. It was, uh, I, my eyes were just so opened to something I never knew even existed in this world, um, and it was really in those classes to become a social worker where I realized while well, there are people in this world who uh, are so far from the hope of the gospel that have uh, never um, imagined, could never imagine uh, a better life than what they're currently living. Yeah. Um, so I just knew in that moment I had to do something um, with my life involving children and families that were experiencing crisis. Um, so it was through the social work program at Florida State that I I got plugged into their child welfare program and became a social worker and started working for the Department of Children and Families. And uh, it was through that that I saw even more in the field firsthand what was going on with some of these families and and children. So I knew as that was part of my job, I knew it was not just a job for me. Mm -hmm. I knew at some point that uh, the Lord was going to lead me to make this very personal. It's a calling. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. To make this very personal. I like the way you put that. All right. Your journey to become a foster mom. Yes. Tell us all the details. (laughs) All of them. How much time do I have? (laughs) Exactly. You can, uh, you can have the whole hour. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Right. So take your time. The, the journey to becoming a foster parent is, um, Something that my husband and I decided together, of course. Um, I always encourage people, uh, if you are married, your spouse also has to be 100% on board with you. Yeah, that makes sense. This is a, uh, like you said, it's a calling. Um, And even more than that, just uh, in my own personal life, sometimes I can romanticize the word calling. And I I make it a command in my life. This is a command Mm. from the Lord for my husband and I to do these things. And... um, So my husband and I decided that we knew that this was a space that we wanted to walk into. We knew the need, we saw the need, and we thought, who better to fill it than us, than someone who's prepared and 
um, and ready to do it and ready to obey the Lord in this way. So we started classes with A Door of Hope. We got all of our paperwork done. We got it's just quite a process, if you could imagine, yeah. uh, becoming licensed with the state entity. So it took us about six months before we could get all of our boxes checked, and um, they delivered our license to us once everything was complete. Wow. Okay, so it takes about six months to go through all of this. Mm-hmm. You have to be motivated. Of course, yeah. Yeah, and for you, I, li- I like what you said there. I don't want to skate by this too quickly. We have a tendency to romanticize the word calling mm. as followers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's more like a command. Mm-hmm. That's a big takeaway for us. Mm-hmm. Tell us more about that. Did God make it abundantly clear through his word, through circumstances, through maybe things people, well, people you value in your life, they spoke into your life. Yeah. You know how God connects the dots on that? Absolutely. How did you know it was a command? Yeah. Uh, sometimes I think that if you continue to say, well, this is a calling, it doesn't really give it a timeline necessarily. Hmm. Um, it, this is personal experience. I found that it's easy for me to say, well, that's my calling to do in the future. That's my calling to create uh-huh. my life to be. Uh, but if you have a command on your life from someone in authority over your life, the option you have is to obey or disobey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, of course, when we're talking about the living God, my inclination <laughs> is going to be I need to obey immediately what he's commanding me to do. And that that looked like people in my life who had previously fostered. It looked like pastors and other members of our church who had fostered before talking about their experiences. They were so wonderful in uh, getting lunch with my husband and I, allowing us to ask all the questions, all the hesitancies, the fears that we could possibly put on the table and addressing those. Um, It looked like his word, of course. It it looked like him uh, telling us very clearly in scripture that he cares about orphans, that, that he cares deeply for those who have been hurt and marginalized and abused. Um, And he also cares deeply about restoration. And that was, I think, the thing that really drew me to foster care specifically was the opportunity to see lives really restored to the hope of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what was the most surprising thing? I mean, you say you knew going in, but I think you'd never know until you're in there what really going on. Yes. Like, what were some of the surprises? Hmm. The good and the bad surprises. Yeah. Uh, This is definitely a scary thing. If anyone is thinking about becoming a foster parent, it is so real. Throughout that whole six months of us getting licensed, we looked at each other a million times and said, are we sure we want to do this? Yeah. Are we sure we want to keep going? Did God command us to do this? Right. Are we sure? <laughs> God, are, we sure? are you sure that yeah. you said this? Did God really say that? Right. Yep. Right. Um, the surprising thing, though, that I was not expecting was the personal sanctification that comes through this process. The, wow. the deep, deep, dark places of my life that God has so graciously illuminated. And there are things about myself and things about my flesh that I'm not sure I could have ever worked out with the Lord if I had not become a foster parent and if I had not entered this world. Um, So it's been 
difficult. Sanctification is yeah. difficult. Uh, it is <laughs> one step forward, yes. five steps back some yes. days, right? Yes. Yes. But yeah. um, through uh, putting us through the fire is how the impurities rise to the top. Right. And uh, God has been so kind to uh, very gently walk us through this process and reveal things about us that don't look like him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then teach us how to make that part of us look like him and reflect him better. So how many kids do you have? We currently have three children. Mm -hmm. We have two girls who are biological sisters. They are 13 and almost 12. Yeah. Um, They were our very first foster placement. Um, And we also have an eight-year-old foster son right now. Okay. Wow. So the plans are to adopt the little boy? Well, we have no idea what the future will hold for okay, him. Okay, yeah. so that was kind of a leading question because <laughs> this is the uncertainty yeah. of, of that. But that's okay. And see, we've talked about this a number of times. Yeah. Some folks are like, well, I don't know if I want to do this because mm-hmm. my emotions, you know, I don't know if I can handle that separation mm-hmm. uh, if there's reunification with the biological parents and, and right. what have you. But you know what? The more I've had these conversations as we've been um, highlighting the foster care ministries, the more I'm thinking, you know what? God calls us to uncomfortable places, and I don't want to be selfish. Mm -hmm. And what you're just talking about there, the sanctification, growing to be more like Jesus, is to be less selfish Mm -hmm. and think of others above yourself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think it's a very real fear that people have. Um, It's not human nature to attach to something to then detach from it. Mm -hmm. So it's it's very valid for people to think that and feel that and be very hesitant in that. Uh, My challenge to that fear is the other option is saying no to a child in need. That's the other option is mm, yeah. uh, that child does not have the luxury of what we are sitting in. That child right. doesn't have the luxury of attaching to a healthy adult. Um, and I also don't think that the Lord calls us to self-preserve in this life. He doesn't call us to stay comfortable and to um, do things that only make us feel good. He mm-hmm. calls us to die to ourselves daily, to self-sacrifice, like you were saying, to selflessness. And um, we as adults and those who have a direct connection to the living God, the God who fulfills us and sustains us and gives us strength in life, that we have a direct connection to him. Mm -hmm. Um, So why would we not bear that burden? Why, Why would we allow a child to continue to bear the burden of brokenness and hurt and neglect and abuse when I can do exactly what Jesus Christ did for us, Mm -hmm. when I can take that burden from that child and say, you know what? I am going to bear this burden for you. I am going to bear the brokenness of possibly losing you one day so that you can know a healthy adult, so that you can know love and care and a safe Mm -hmm. place for however long the Lord has you with me. And um, it's just such a perfect reflection of what of what Jesus did for us in coming down to a place that was not comfortable. He didn't have to. And he came down and he said, I'm going to take the burden for you. I'm going to be broken so that you don't have to feel that. Wow. Yeah. It's all about the gospel it at is. the end of the day, isn't it? It absolutely is, yes. Thanks for listening to Curtain Cape Mornings Podcast. 
Please take a minute to follow, subscribe, and review us. And no matter where in the world you are, you can listen to us live from 6 to 9 a.m. weekdays on the Moody Radio app.